Audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. Welcome to On The Rock, God's unchanging word for changing times with Dr. Camille Majdali, Director of Teach All Nations Melbourne, Australia. Dr. Camille lived and studied in the Middle East, served as a principal of a leading Bible college and now travels the world teaching God's word. He has an extraordinary knowledge of the Bible and a dynamic ability to make God's truth come alive in a real, practical way. This episode of On The Rock will give you keys to survive and succeed in the days ahead by hearing and doing the words of Jesus. If you're going to be future ready, it's important to have a newspaper in one hand and the Bible in the other. In today's program, we're going to see prophecy being fulfilled under our noses as we continue to learn the book of Zechariah. Our series is entitled, The Coming King, Understanding the Book of Zechariah, a verse-by-verse audio commentary, part of the larger Understanding the Bible series. And we're now in a very intriguing part of Zechariah. We're beginning the last chapter, chapter 14. And chapter 14 begins with what we call the Day of the Lord and the Battle for Jerusalem, which, of course, are part and parcel. Now, we're going to learn more about this in a moment. But remember that, first of all, the day of the Lord, what is it? I believe it's that transitional period from the kingdoms of this world to the kingdom of God. And transitions can be turbulent, but they are so necessary to get from where we've been to where we need to be. Just buckle up your seatbelts, friends, and trust God, because God is a stronghold in the day of trouble. In fact, let me quote it to you, Nahum chapter 1, verse 7. Nahum is one of the great minor prophets of the Old Testament. Nahum 1, 7, the Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble, and he knoweth them that trust in him. If you cannot trust God now, friend, when did you plan to start? Today is the best day. So what we're going to look at is from Zechariah 14, verses 1 to 5, the battle for Jerusalem. Bear in mind that, first of all, this battle happens in the day of the Lord. The second thing to know, that it is God's battle. And what we're going to see here is God is vitally involved. It tells us then in verse 2 of Zechariah 14, For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle. Please note that this is God's invitation, I say that in inverted commas, to the rebellious nations who don't want God's king, who do not want God's kingdom, who do not want God's righteous reign. They want to continue with this warped, depraved, and ever-corrupt kingdoms of this world. He will give them a chance to fight it out. And of course, this fighting out, especially over Jerusalem, city of the great king, will be to their undoing. Now, not only does God draw or gather these nations to battle against Jerusalem, what we're going to see in verse 3 of Zechariah 14 is that God will personally come down and fight against those nations. So why are the nations reacting so furiously at the prospect of the coming king of glory? Well, it tells us in Psalm 98, the last verse, verse 9, Psalm 98, 9, that the Lord is coming. And why is he coming? To judge the earth. With righteousness shall he judge the world and the people with 
equity. Of course, the nations don't want to be judged. They want to continue thinking that the party will never end. Well, not only does the party have a use-by date, but when it ends, all the tables will be turned. And so, of course, that's why the second psalm tells us that the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing, but the simple reason is that the king is coming back. So God not only gathers these nations to battle against Jerusalem in Zechariah 14, he comes down to fight them. And of course, as to be expected, he will win. After he wins, he will then have his victory ascent on the Mount of Olives, which is just to the east of the holy city. And then what we also see is that God and his saints are coming too. And you can be sure when God comes into the picture, it will cause a great shaking. Indeed, there'll even be topographical changes to the earth when the Lord's feet stand in that day on the Mount of Olives. It's time to read the entire passage, Zechariah 14 verses 1 to 5. And really, this is the great climax of human history. It could even be argued what we're reading has to do with that great engagement called the battle or campaign of Armageddon. Again, Zechariah 14, verses 1 to 5. Behold, the day of the Lord cometh, and thy spoil shall be divided in the midst of thee. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. Then shall the Lord go forth and fight against those nations, as when he fought in the day of battle. And his feet shall stand in that day upon the Mount of Olives, which is before Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives shall cleave in the midst thereof toward the east and toward the west. And there shall be a very great valley, and half of the mountain shall remove toward the north, and half of it toward the south. And ye shall flee to the valley of the mountains, for the valley of the mountains shall reach unto Azel, yea, ye shall flee, like as ye fled from before the earthquake in the days of Uzziah, king of Judah. And the Lord my God shall come, and all the saints with thee. This is Zechariah chapter 14, verses 1 to 5. What a wonderful word from our wonderful God. And how very thrilling, because frankly, in my estimation, as one that teaches God's word and also has a specialty in global trends, we are seeing the lineup for this amazing encounter. We could call it the battle for Jerusalem, but we can also call it the day of the Lord. Remember, as I shared earlier, the day of the Lord is God's day, which is coming, and all the spoils of victory will be his as he divides the the spoils in the midst. It is a time of simultaneous judgment, but it will also be a time of restoration. For the righteous, it will be restoration, but for the unrighteous, it will be judgment. As I quoted Psalm 98, verse 9, the Lord is coming to judge, and the judge of the whole earth shall do what is right. So let me reiterate this point from Zechariah 14, verse 1. The point is that... The day of the Lord is coming, and the spoil shall be divided in the midst. And when God comes, despite the resistance of rebellious nations, because somehow the spiritual principalities and powers behind these nations know exactly what's coming next. When God comes down, 
He's going to set everything in order. Psalm 98 verse 9, as I quoted earlier, speaks of God coming to this planet, and his purpose is to judge equitably, of course, and to establish his kingdom. So since these rebellious nations do not want God's rule and do not want God's judgment, they will resist to the best of their ability. But as we see in the Psalms, Psalm 2 in particular, Psalm 83, and of course in Zechariah, they will fail. But in verse 2 of Zechariah 14, and by the way, this lesson is called the battle for Jerusalem. And this is beyond politics, whether it's Israel, Palestine, Vatican, European Union, United Nations, Russia, United States, the Orthodox world, the Catholic world, the Jewish world, the Islamic world. Despite all this, this is beyond the politics. This has to do at the bottom line with God's kingdom versus the kingdoms of this world. And so verse 2 speaks of God's upcoming battle. Now let me reread verse 2 to you. It's detailed, but it's extremely important. For I will gather all nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken, and the houses rifled, and the women ravished, and half of the city shall go forth into captivity, and the residue of the people shall not be cut off from the city. This is what I call the battle of Jerusalem. And it has been brewing for a long time. I spoke earlier, but it bears repeating, about what we call the Jerusalem question. Ever since the Ottoman Turkish Empire collapsed at the end of the Great War, World War I, the status of the Holy City has been up for grabs. The Ottomans were the last internationally recognized owners or occupiers of Jerusalem. But after that, the British took over, but they had what is called a temporary mandate. This mandate lasted from 1917 to 1948. Officially, it began in 1923, but the British were in charge. They were never meant to keep the holy city permanently. They were just international custodians until the status of the city and who would own it could be resolved. Of course, the Jews were coming back in immigration, and they wanted Jerusalem as their capital. The Arabs were there or coming there. I mean, it's the Arab presence. There's much that can be said, but no time here. But there were Arabs, and of course, they wanted Jerusalem, or at least at the minimum, they didn't want the Jews to have it. And so the United Nations voted that Jerusalem would be an international city, wouldn't belong to Israel, wouldn't belong to the Arab state. It would just be under the custodianship of the UN as an international city, a corpus separatum. This is in 1947 when the UN voted to partition Palestine into an Arab and Jewish state, or shall we say British mandatory Palestine between the Jordan River and the Mediterranean. The Jews accepted reluctantly this proposal of statehood minus Jerusalem, but the corpus separatum, the international city, was to have a referendum after 10 years and the residents could vote on the final status. The Arabs rejected everything and indeed they went to war against the infant Jewish state. Officially the war began on the day Israel became a nation on the 14th of May, 1948. In the midst of this first war, the 1948 war, and I actually did a master's thesis on Jerusalem in 1948. So this is something I know pretty well. What happened is both Jordan and Israel contended for the holy city. Israel captured much of the new city. Jordan captured the walled 
famous Old City and the Mount of Olives. And so Jerusalem was partitioned, and neither Israel nor Jordan handed Jerusalem over to the United Nations, even though they were told to do such a thing. Part of the reason they said is, we were here fighting and dying to defend the city, and where were you, United Nations? Where were your troops? Where were your commitment? Where was your defense? How did you help the city? And they said, you didn't do anything, so we're not giving it to you. The city remained divided for 19 years, from 1948 to 1967. And then came the Six-Day War, and the Six-Day War of June 67 is when Israel captured the Jordanian sector of Jerusalem, and three weeks later, they annexed it, saying that basically Jerusalem is our reunited eternal capital, and it is not negotiable. There's much more I can share on this. I mean, it's a fascinating modern story, but basically the nations do not recognize Israel's ownership of Jerusalem. They say, well, it has to be decided in negotiations. And there have been something like 60 proposals on how to solve the ownership or Jerusalem question, and every single one of them has been rejected. Now, the reason for this rejection is, of course, because there's more than just two parties involved here. It's not just the Jews and the Arabs. It's all these other parties I've mentioned, like the United Nations, the European Union, the Russians, the Americans, the Vatican, and and other parties beyond that. They all have a stake. They all have their fingers in the Jerusalem pie, and apparently they all have a veto of these proposals. That's why the Jerusalem question is so difficult to resolve. Except for the conflict in 1948, and 1967, the Jerusalem question has been merely political. But as we can see in Zechariah, politics will give way to conflict. And remember, when it says God will gather the nations to battle against Jerusalem, please note the word gather, because this word gather is exactly what is used in Revelation chapter 16 and verse 16. And he gathered them together in a place called in the Hebrew tongue, Armageddon. Now, is this the same event, this battle for Jerusalem and Armageddon? I am leaning to the affirmative. Yes, it appears that these are the same conflicts. Part of it has to do with knowing the history and geography of the Holy Land, something which I specialized in before I entered into full-time ministry. You see, the Valley of Armageddon, which is in the northern part of Israel, is the biggest intersection of the country. It's sandwiched between mountains, and it has five passes, or five entryways. It is in the shape of an arrowhead, pointing to the northwest. Now, of special interest is that the land itself, the Holy Land, Israel, so on, is actually a land bridge. This land connects Africa with the landmass we now know as Eurasia or Europe and Asia. Please note that Europe and Asia are actually the same landmass. And for that matter, they are connected by land also to Africa. So in theory, you could drive from Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia to Oslo, Norway. In theory, you could also drive from Kuala Lumpur, Malaysia to Cape Town in South Africa. This land bridge has a highway. Now, the highway can be known as the Via Maris, the way of the sea of Isaiah chapter 9, verse 1. I call it, and I've never heard anyone else call this, but I mean, I'm, shall we say, have enough study in this that I can give a label. I call it the Afro-Eurasian Highway. And this 
highway, this international road, connects Africa with Eurasia and goes right through Israel. The road doesn't go on the coast. It goes about 16 k's inland because the coast is full of sand dunes, not very conducive for driving. And then it goes right through Armageddon. The the passway at, shall we call it, Dotan or Megiddo is one, and the passageway at Tabor is the other entryway. Plus, there's one at Jezreel, one at Haifa area, and, and one to the plain of Acre. So this highway goes through Armageddon. Now, it is very effective, and the valley itself is a great gathering place, but in it, there's really nothing to battle over. You have Tel Megiddo, you have the modern city of Afula. I don't even know how big Afula is. I would guess 30,000 or something. So what do you want to battle over? The agricultural settlements? No, you remember, a gathering place is just that. But the battlefield can be elsewhere. Just like in D-Day, June 6, 1944, the greatest amphibian invasion of history thus far. And the gathering place for the Allied troops of D-Day was in southern England. But the actual battle was across the English Channel on the beaches of Normandy in Nazi-occupied France. And I believe it's the same here. Armageddon is the gathering place, but the actual battlefield is elsewhere. So when the nations come to battle against Jerusalem, they will take the city, the houses will be ransacked, the women raped, half of the city will be taken captive, and the remainder of inhabitants will not be cut off from the city. Yes, the combatants will have victory, but it will be exceedingly short-lived. And there's a very thrilling reason why it will be short-lived. But to hear that, you'll need to listen to the very next program. So I look forward to your company. Now, our lesson is entitled, The Battle for Jerusalem. This is our lesson for life. Zechariah gives us unique details of the second coming of Jesus so that you can process them and see that the time is near. Or let me put it to you again this way. Zechariah gives us unique details of the second coming of Jesus. As you process these details, you will see so clearly the time is at hand. Remember to visit us at our homepage, that's tantan.org.au, to sign up for the free monthly Issachar Teaching e-letter that will help you become future-ready through articles on the Bible, victorious living, and current events in the light of God's Word. You can also visit us at our Facebook page, Teach All Nations, Education, and thank you for liking our page. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Zechariah and giving us detailed prophetic utterances about the days in which we live. There won't be always easy, but we know the victory is yours. We know you make a way of escape. We know you bless those that put all their trust in you. For all this, we praise you in our Savior's mighty name. Amen. Today's On The Rock was brought to you by Teach All Nations. If you would like more information about this ministry, to download podcasts, view our online store, attend special events, sign up for our teaching newsletter, make a donation to support this ministry, or to invite Dr. Camille to speak, log on to www.tan.org.au or write to us at Post Office Box 493, Mount Waverley 3149. Thanks for taking time to listen to this audio on demand from Vision Christian Media. To find out more about us, go to vision.org.au.